Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. We are live on the Charity Stripe Podcast with your hosts, Alex, Josh, and Nick. We're back, baby. It's the Charity Stripe. It's your free throws because they are free. Fisher, Disciples, DJ, Nikki, Snacks, Kreider. It was... Fellas, you know for me, I'm a Boston sports fan. It was an insane weekend of emotions. Pat's lost. We lost Tim Wakefield, which was very unfortunate. RIP to the knuckleball. Uh, but then we got Drew Holiday on Sunday morning. So definitely a major up and down. But to bring in the up of the week, we have two-time Super Bowl champion, AFC Heroics versus the Steelers uh, in one of the runs. We have Chris Hogan joining the boys. Hogan, what's going on, man? What's going on, guys? Great to have you, brother. It's a it's a somber Monday for the Pats. I we I saw Richard Sherman already coming at Bill Belichick on his show. Do you, are you a little disappointed? As I feel like a lot of the fan base is that people aren't giving Bill the time to rebuild like normal like normal coaches would get after a guy like Brady and after like that dynasty kind of leaves the building. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you're a victim of your own success, right? I mean, he's mm-hmm. always preached about. It's it doesn't really matter, you know, who he's got on the field. You know, they're just they're going to do their best job of, you know, putting the 11 best guys out there. We're going to prepare them to play and we're going to win with whoever we got. So, you know, he's kind of he's preached that, you know, multiple, multiple times. And um, again, you know, he had a good he has a good team. But I just think the expectation level for Bill obviously is just so much higher than you know, any other coach in the NFL, right? I mean, maybe there's a few that you could put on, you know, near his his tier of expectations, but because of his his history and what he's done in the past with his football teams, I mean, how could you not expect him to have a good football team every single year? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like we, I mean, we're all Texas Longhorn alums. And so when we went in and beat Alabama, you know, and everyone was questioning the end of the, t- it's like week two and everyone's questioning it's, Oh, this is the end of Nick Saban. This is the worst team he's ever had. Can he right. bounce back? Yeah. It's, it, the victim of your own success is a great point. And when you're a guy like bill in the media and he kind of puts out there, he's like, Hey, like I could find like you're undrafted. Jules is a seventh round pick. Amendola is yeah. undrafted. He had JC Jackson undrafted you know, he puts guys, he fi- he's a guy that puts guys in good position. So when you're kind of like that, people are looking to tear you down. I feel a little bit. Yeah. I mean, always it's new England, man. And ever we've even when, you know, especially with Thomas there, I mean, everyone's waiting for new England to fail. Right. So mm-hmm. now it's like, they lose a couple of different games. They don't make the playoffs the last couple of years. Everyone's so many people are loving it. And I just think it's kind of ridiculous. I mean, this is one of the best coaches that's ever played, you know, coached the game of football before. And just because he's had some struggles, you know, filling up filling some shoes that are pretty much unfillable to replace a quarterback like that and then to you know he's trying to put the best team out there and it's it's going to take some time he's trying to find the right guys he's got a bunch of young guys that he's that are playmakers that are trying to learn you know how that whole culture is run and he's bringing in different guys and you know it's going to take some time so um you know, I I'll never lose hope on, on Bill, man. I mean, I, he's he's going to put eleven guys out there, offense and defense, that are going to be able to play and win a football game. 
Mm-hmm. And special teams too. I mean, we've already seen Schooler make a crazy play against the Dolphins. You know, yep. obviously, long, obviously long a Longhorn cool. alum. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> a great dude too. But yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree. He always puts guys in a great position. Do you think like some of the difficulties they're having though is because Bill O'Brien's? I know you had McDaniel's as your OC, but Bill O'Brien being back in the room. Do you think it like takes a little bit of growing? And I know Mac had him in college, but still a little bit of a growing pain for the offense to get acclimated to a guy like that coming in. Um, no, no, not really because Bill Billio's been there before. So like the off, it's not like he's coming in there and running this completely different offense that no one's ever seen before that max never seen before. So yeah, that, that offense has not changed even, even before Billio since Josh left, you know, they, you know, they brought in Billy and then it's pretty much the same thing. He's going to have some different wrinkles in the way that he's calls plays and, or the way that he, you know, words different things, but, you know, I really think that the offense really has stayed the same, and that's probably for the better for these guys to kind of continue. Because I've I've been in teams where I have to learn a new playbook every single year. I played in Buffalo, and we had a new OC. You know, two out of the four years that I was going there, so it's like, you know, you spend so much time learning all these plays and terminology, and and then all of a sudden it's like clean house. Fire everyone, you know, fire coaches, and you got a new OC, and now it's like start from scratch, and you got to developed our rapport with the OC with the team and learn the terminology. It's tough. So I think being able to have that, you know, that simplicity of just continuing the same kind of offense that's been run there in the past has, has been helpful. So, I mean, you know, again, you know, New England is, you know, they're struggling a little bit to find their identity. I think a little bit, I was a little disappointed in how they played yesterday um, because I, I honestly think they've been playing good football. You know, I, Minus the turnovers, you know, which has been their Achilles heel in both of their losses or and now all three of their losses, you know, that's what's killing them is the turnovers. It's just not great football. So other than that, I was pleased with the way Mac was playing. I was happy with the way that the defense has been playing great. You know, some guys were starting to step up and contribute. They started pushing the ball down the field um, two weekends ago. And then they come out and go to Dallas and it just, uh, it just, I mean, it just wasn't good. You know, the, the interceptions were bad thrown across your body, across the field. Th- those aren't throws that you should be making. You're running, you know, you're escaping the pocket. You got to know that someone's coming for you, man. I mean, that's like, it's just that ball security stuff is just, it's so crucial in these football games and the teams that are turning the ball over the most are the teams are going to lose. Yeah. Uh, the ball security stuff. Is, is crazy to me in the NFL. I mean, like the guys that go after strips, it just, you just don't see that anywhere else. The NFL, every single guy's, I'm trying to make a tackle, they're trying to make a strip. And there's yeah. so many guys that are so lackadaisical with their, with their ball security. And it's just, you're going up the middle with like five, you know, D linemen and, and some linebackers coming at you and you're just it's a loaf of bread. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, that's like, to your point, it's like, that's, guys are more concerned with stripping the football out than they are tackling because your percentages, of winning a football game go up like crazy. If you get one, if you win the turnover battle, you turn the ball over, fumble, interception, whatever it is, your percentages of winning that football game in the NFL go up wild. Wild. Yeah, I mean, what happened? What happened when you got, I mean, like when you were there, like if a team turned the ball over against you guys, like what's the offense coming out? Like we're going to make you pay. Like we are going to score off hundred percent. Like you're going to yeah. score off that turnover. Like, and if you, like, I know Dak has gotten a lot of flack in the past and that whole Dallas and the McCarthy, everyone has, they're still a good offense. Like they still have a yeah. lot of pieces and, and a good offensive line. Like they're going to make you pay. Like you don't I turn the ball over. 
I was thinking, New England uh, didn't lose to a, a bad football team yesterday right. by any means. Dallas no. is a good football team. Yeah, has been playing well. They got playmakers on offense. Their defense has been playing well. Like that, that by no means was like you look at this and be like, well, you know, they lost to a really bad football. That's not the case. I, New England just played not great football and Dallas capitalized on it. Yeah. Catching them at a terrible week coming off of a loss to Arizona, right? Where they oh yeah, they weren't, yeah, weren't they supposed were. to lose that game. There's no way yeah. that they're you know taking two in a row, especially you know two underdogs. Yeah, so I I said that earlier this week. I was saying that you know that there was going to be a little bit of a different uh, mentality in Dallas this week coming off of that loss because no one expected I think them to go into Arizona and lose that game. So I'm sure they were pissed off about it. New England coming into their home, to, you know, home stadium, they were pretty fired Zeke. up about it. So, yeah. Zeke coming back. I mean, you know, there's a lot of things to get fired up about in a football game, but you know, they definitely had a lot of motivation to play well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so the next two games on the schedule, you get the Saints and then the Raiders before uh, the Bills go to Foxborough. Obviously, yeah. that's going to be a really tough game. But those feel like I, I feel the same way that you did before this Dallas game, like. They one and two, but it was a scrappy football team. They were playing good football, especially on the defensive side. Um, yeah. Mac looked to be putting some things together. Like, where do you go this week from a practice standpoint, looking forward to the Saints, whose defense is very solid, stout, but offensively they've had some woes as well. Like, where do you start on the offensive side this week when you when you're looking with with Mac and the rest of the guys to kind of put your best foot forward? Um, I mean, to me, it was like you know, I thought for the first couple of weeks of the season, Mac has been doing such a good job of staying in the pocket, distributing the ball, not really trying to take any of these crazy chances. Like, but yesterday it just seemed like he was trying to do it all himself and he was, you know, running around, which is great. You know, he's avoiding, he's avoiding taking a sack and, you know, look, eyes are down the field, but you know, those, those plays in the NFL, like there's only a couple of quarterbacks in this league that are throwing across their body 50 yards the other way and completing that pass. You know, like it just it doesn't work that way in the NFL. Guys are going to take advantage of that and the game is just too fast. So I think it's back to basics, man. You know, it's like, yeah, we can't turn the ball over. We can't fumble the ball. We can't throw interceptions. We got to play smart football. We got to put our defense in better spots. Like you can't can't default the defense for giving up dirt, you know, whatever, how many points yesterday, because, you know, they were Dallas was dealing with short fields. Right. And they had the pick six. I mean. So defense has got to continue to do what they got to do, right? I think they have to their, – their, their focus is how do we create more turnovers? How do we help our offense a little bit, give them a shorter field to work with? Like let's, let's win the field position battle a little bit because, you know, our special teams is going to play well, right? I mean, they have guys that are there. Matthew Slater is going to have that team, and the special teams, always four, fa- four phases, always rolling no matter what, right? Joe yeah. Judge controlling that, that special teams again, like – that's a good group of guys that he's got. And they always have a couple core guys, but offensively it's like, all right, we were kind of doing some good things. And then all of a sudden kind of went to, it all went to nothing. Right. So I think it's mm-hmm. back to basics. Let's figure out what we're good at. We were run the ball so well for the first three weeks. And then we were able to kind of throw in some of the play action passes and push the ball down the field. And, you know, it's kind of, you know, there's one of those games where you're definitely going to get away from one or the other. So, right. Um, yeah, again, I think it's basics, man. Let's, let's not turn the ball over and see, and see what happens at the end of a 60 minute football game. Yeah. I was going through just like kind of backtracking, you know, knowing you were coming on, like I went through the year that y'all beat the Rams in the Super Bowl, and 
the second leading receiver on the team was James White. You yeah. know, like Edel and you and Edelman and like Gronk, like they control y'all control time of possession, y'all control field position and put the D yeah, like I mean, that game that that yeah. that D that team that, that was the, the Rams are the highest scoring offense in the league and they scored three yeah. points. You yeah. know, like I mean, it, you gotta be able to again, it's like you know, that I mean that that game in particular was a defensive battle. You know, I mean that was both teams kind of going back and forth. No one was doing anything on offense for you know, two of the better offenses, obviously, to be going at it. No one expected that game to go the way that it did. But again, like that's that's a that's football. You know, stuff's gonna happen. You're gonna have yeah. to adjust on the fly. And if you're not able to move the ball efficiently or, or put points on the board, like all right, like let's win the field position battle. Like let's do some other things. Let's try to get ourselves in position to kick field goals or do something. Let's not do have any of these outer body experiences where we're trying to change the game in one drive. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that's the best thing that we always did was it was always one play at a time, right? We're never going to get too ahead of ourselves. We're not going to get foot. We're not going to focus on, you know, either a bad play or a good play. It's always just that steady kind of one play at a time, kind of chip away, you know, take our big plays when we get them and try to put ourselves in the best position to score points. Mm -hmm. yeah i mean it was it's such a one the one play at a time it's on it just reminds me i know it's like a major football and sports terminology but like ironically i was a theater major in school and they always would tell us like literally one moment at a time because if you're worried about what's going on at the end of the play that thing the big thing you have to do at the end of the play everything leading up to it's going to be a disaster uh, you're going to be completely off your game and everything up to it's going to be a disaster yeah i mean look it's you're you're one in three but the saints is a winnable game at home and then you go to the raiders they're all winnable like, games they're all all right i mean yeah, they're all winnable okay, games so you got to like not 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 one game on their schedule is not a winnable game it's just at this point in the season you know it's it's one game at a time right and then you get into you know playing you know in your conference like those are more important like we needed to you know those are games that we got a star right i mean but like let's try to win you know, this first quarter of the season's over, right? We're moving on. Yep. Got to forget about Dallas. We're moving on to the second quarter. Let's win the second quarter, All right? That's mm -hmm. how that's how we used to break it down in the in the whole season. It used to be done by quarters. So you have we're we're first quarter's over. We didn't do well, so we were one and three. You know, we had some games that we probably could have won, but we didn't. So we're moving on. We can't think about those. We got to move on to the second quarter of the, of the season. We got the Saints, you know, and you know the Bills are coming up like that. That's going to be a huge game. I'm assuming that they're going to be still be playing very well. Got the Raiders at you know away, so that's a game we're going to have to travel across the country and go play. You know, these are big games that they got to play and continue to kind of build off of themselves. You know, I think it's more of like it's not about the team that they're playing right now. It's about New England. Mm -hmm. It's like we got to figure out how to stop hurting ourselves. How do we keep from losing, right? And I think it's nothing. It's it's all about like let's not turn the ball over. Let's try to play good complementary football. And let's see kind of how that plays out in a, in a football game. Yeah. And mm -hmm. we always, you know, say NFL, any given Sunday, anyone can win a game, but this season has just been so crazy to predict. I mean, we we're talking before yeah. the show that if you look at the slate, it's so hard to predict who's going to win and who's going to be the lock. And, you know, we, we thought maybe the Kansas city chiefs were going to be a lock against the jets and look at Zach Wilson going balling out on Sunday night, you know, and potentially yeah. give them a run for the money. So I mean, by no by no margin is the season over for anybody, but um, I think you just got to take that, you know, into consideration as a player. Like, look, I mean, anyone, you know, we're all professionals here and we've got a Hall of Fame coach and, you know, we've got great players and we can make a run here. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Season's still very young.
Yeah, I mean, look, and like the Bengals, I'm sure, are thinking the same the thing. Bears. Like, yeah, if the yeah, I mean, yeah, Bears, yeah. I don't know, they might be in a different category. <laughs> as, a, as, a, as a former player, like when you see them, when you see them give up that lead, like they they were up twenty eight to seven, right? They give up the yeah. lead, and you could you're like what two minutes left, you could take the points back and get three points, and then take the lead again at least at home, like, yeah. and you go for it in like their own territory in the twenty. I couldn't believe that. Yeah, I mean, you know. Not gonna, not gonna judge other people's decisions during a football game, but you know there, there definitely are a few teams that you know no one expected the Bengals to be, you know, this at this point in the season. Um, I think it's unfortunate because there was so much talk about the Bears this year and and you know what they were going to be able to do, but you know there's just you got too many guys that are just me guys, you know, too much too too much chatter to the media, you know, not enough like worrying about what's what's best for the team. You know, it just mm. seems like there's just too much going on, too many distractions, and we're just playing the, the blame game, right? Let's blame everybody else except ourselves. So until they figure that out, I don't think this that team's going to be any good. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good point. I, I, I want to go back to your Buffalo days a bit because I obviously, you know, you got your rings in, in New England, you got your start in Buffalo. Does it feel a little good? I know, like, you have the Pats jersey behind you. But does it feel a little good to see the Bills, like, kind of be in a position where they're competing? Because the fan base is so oh, – yeah. I love so, those. Yeah, they're so into it, and they're so like it's just a story of like you know like distraught, like the four falls of Buffalo. Like, <laughs> there's a part of like there is as a, even yeah. as a New England fan, there's a part of me that wants to see them get over the hump and experience <laughs> like one more shot. You know, uh, yeah, man that that uh, that atmosphere that that community is awesome. So, um, you know, a part of most of my family actually has turned into. Uh, Bill, Bills fans just because they were the really? ones that gave me my first shot. So now that I'm done playing, they, you know, my mom's always watching the Bills. Mm. Um, she's part of the Bills mafia. Yeah. 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 Part of the mafia. Going through so. some tables, jumping around. <laughs> no, no. That's, that's on the, that's on the list to uh, start jumping, break a table here or two. Yeah. Maybe next, maybe next family, family. <laughs> maybe next uh, Thanksgiving. Might, I might have to do one of those. But, uh, Nah, man, it's awesome to see them playing well. You know, and mm-hmm. Josh, I mean, they got a good football team, man. So it's kind of it's one of those consistency things. You know, it's a long football season and and some teams come out really hot. Some the best ones kind of just stay this way. And then like November, December, they just start getting separating themselves. Right. So yeah. Um, you would love to see them kind of maintain that, stay healthy, obviously, and and you know, c- keep playing good football. And they came out and played pretty good football against a team that just put up 70 points in the NFL. Right. I mean, that's like, that's the funny thing about the, the Pats being one and three, right? The dolphins were three and oh, they're at the top of the NFL power rankings. They look like they're a juggernaut that no one can handle. The bills lose a week one crazy game against the jets. And everyone's like, well, Josh Allen's not a top five quarterback. Like what's going on? You know, Buffalo's in trouble. And now all of a sudden, like they're both three and one and the bills look like a really dominant football team you know like yeah. everything changes every single week so we're all the king of especially myself i i'll, I'll hold myself accountable king of the overreaction like <laughs> everyone is man it's yeah. just like ah, oh, the bills are gonna have a losing season this year people forget like the the, the preseason and the way that this the offseason works nowadays like these guys don't play a football game until week one yeah you know mm-hmm. these they're not playing a full football game. They're only practicing. Even if they're doing joint practices, that's still just a glorified practice with maybe a little bit more up-tempo competition, but you can't simulate week one of the regular season ever. The, the intensity, the emotion, 
you know, where, you know, even if it's at home or on the road, I mean, that, that stadium at MedLife was like electric, man. I mean, they've been building that thing up for six months, you know, waiting for Aaron Rodgers to come running out of that tunnel with, you know, on nine 11 with the flag going, like it was insane. So there was probably a lot of emotion going on in that game. None of those guys, it was the first time they've played 60 minutes of football all together. So I think that's like week one is like, I, I can't even consider that part. I think that's like a preseason game. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. and then like, yeah. you just see they've gotten better every single week and they just keep getting better. And that's just because now they're, they're getting in sync. They're getting in rhythm. They're kind of figuring out, okay, this is the type of football team that we're going to be this year. And you know, the bills are a type of team. They're well coached. They got good players. Josh is kind of getting into rhythm now, you know, I mean, Diggs played amazing lot. You yeah, know, about, yeah. Week week yeah. one, it was like, oh, the we're disconnect between Diggs and Josh Allen. Yeah, like, right. about, we yeah, sure, about, we sure about that. Like, we sure overreaction. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 <laughs> and then he goes out and has three touchdowns, and it's like, oh my god, no, they, he is there. <laughs> it's giving me like the vibe of you know, I think the year that. TB12 was suspended and like Jimmy came in and was playing well yeah, and everyone's yeah. like, oh, is it Jimmy's turn? Should Tom retire? And like, yeah, Tom's you know, washed like, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole thing. And, and then, then we go to Cleveland. He throws for like 400 yards and three touchdowns. And he's like, oh, he's back. <laughs> yeah. he's back yeah. he's like yeah it's like you know everyone forgets so easily it's like if it's such like everyone's like oh Diggs wants out like he's done in buffalo he doesn't want to be there anymore comes wow. out like the biggest game of the year when everyone's talking about tyree kill and Tua, and like uh-huh. and then puts yeah. up three touchdowns yeah it's you know these they're really everyone's they're really just looking for the drama man they're just trying to create a little bit of drama when these guys you know it's like everyone wanted to talk about the jets and um, you know, Garrett Wilson on the sideline, Brees Hall on the sideline, like arguing with their coaches and, you know, arguing, dude, these guys are passionate, man. You know, you're playing NFL. You're not going out there on a Sunday to lose a football game. Right. I think people like kind of forget that these are, these are people too, like with real frustrations when they're, they put so much into playing the game. It's like, and things don't go the way that they've been working for their entire life. Like that's frustrating, man. Like their this job. is, that's exactly like they're getting paid to do this it's like yeah we got like and and it doesn't go our way it's okay to be a little frustrated and to be a little emotional about it but you know it's like people want to blow that up and make it more of a thing than it really is and that happens all across the league you know it's like these guys are fighting for their lives man i mean any day this football could be over nothing's guaranteed in the nfl yeah we saw aj brown and and jalen hurts week one going out in the sideline and then I think Jalen said, like, you haven't been p- paying attention because that happens like 70 times. Like, <laughs> like, we're best friends, but hey, like if you had a camera on Julian and Tom with like oh my God. like you're like yeah. these two knuckleheads were like big brother, little brother fighting over every single time, you know. But like that was them, man. That's just competition. That's compet let's that's their competitive drop, like just coming out at the best time. That's when you want it to come out. It's like and as long as you have that relationship with your teammates where it's like, okay, it's not, this is not personal. This is just me being a competitor. Then like I support all of that. Yeah. That's a real pro that responds to it. It's too. also like such a violent game too. So like what, yeah. so when you're on the bench on the sideline, you're just supposed to be like calm, cool, collected. Like you went <laughs> out and just ran your head against, you know, 11 yeah. defenders. <laughs> yeah. Maybe like slapping ass and like, you know, just like kumbaya Like, I, I mean, like I, I always think, I don't even think of like, you know, Tom yelling at Julian or like spiking a tab. But I always think of like Peyton Manning, a guy that everyone thinks is so calm and so chill. Like, you know, like the consummate, like, you know, good guy leader, like yelling at Jeff Saturday 
like yeah, every, his yeah. his boy boy like every, his like they did like that whole pro bowl thing where like they went on opposite sides and snapped it to each other like yelling yeah. at him on the sideline you have to have that level you know here's the um, con the, the common denominator with all these guys who do this they're, they're leaders of the football team right they're leaders mm-hmm. of you know, offense defense the guys that are going to call people out are the ones that are probably not the ones that are you know third fourth down the line on the on the depth chart you know these guys are the quarterback they're the leaders of the offense or the defense like i'm sure ray lewis wasn't very quiet when he was out there on defense like this dude was motivating his guys and getting after him if they stepped out of line or did something wrong that was not part of the game plan so all this overreaction to people like you know getting getting after each other is just kind of foolish to me because these guys are just competing man they're just trying to get the best out of one another I mean, the, yeah. the I think it was Ray Lewis when he did. I, I don't know. It was must have been McGahee, and it was obviously Ed Reed. Must have been McGahee too. Like when yeah. they played for Sean Taylor, like that yeah. speech he had. I was like, dude, like yeah. I don't. I'm not a proponent of war, but like if we're ever doing, <laughs> if we're ever doing the draft again. Like I hate to say it, Ray Lewis needs to be drafted, and like he needs to be like, an, like a, the, the, one of the generals of war. That was the craziest. That was like a movie speech. It was pretty yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. So, like, so run through the wall. I want. On a work ethic standpoint, you know, you're an undrafted guy. We had this conversation on our show a lot. Like, do you find that sometimes in a weird way, the late round picks, the undrafted guys are, can be at more of an advantage because they have to work harder. They have to build that work ethic in the NFL. Like where the first round guys, like you have so many, a lot of times, a lot of chances, you know, because you have that first round delineation. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was as an undrafted guy, you know, when I first came in the league, you only get a couple of reps, right? So in practice, I had the mindset of, A, I could get cut at any single, any given time. So every single day I came in, I thought I was going to, that was going to be it for me. So I never took a day for granted. And every single play that I had, you know, what when early on in my career, like I couldn't drop a pass. Like that was not okay for me. I couldn't mess up a route. I couldn't have a mental error. Um, you know, I did so much prep just for practice and training camp and going into these games so that everything was done to perfection. Like it just wasn't, it was a non issue for or non-starter for me to even have a mental error or drop a pass. Like I had to do everything perfect. And sometimes it kind of drove me a little bit insane probably. And, you know, probably lost a little bit of sleep due to the fact that that's kind of like how my mindset was, but, Again, like if I didn't have that mindset, I don't think I would have gone had the career that I had, you know. And you know, I think sometimes for these undrafted guys, you know, I, I think it, it, you know, they put a little bit of effort, more effort into it. Now, that's not saying that these first round guys and guys that are drafted high, like you know, these guys put in the work too, man. I mean, they got drafted at that point for a reason, right? It's part of like, yeah, part of the, like their work ethic got them to that point, and. I definitely think that, you know, from a, you know, from a coaching perspective, you're going to give more chances to your first round draft pick, you know, more so than your undrafted guy, just because you have so much, it's a business, right? You're invested into this guy. Like you, Mm -hmm. you drafted him very high. You're paying him this much money. Like let's, we're going to give you every single opportunity to, to do the things that we want you to do as an undrafted guy, it's like, well, if you, if you can't do what I'm asking you to do, we're going to go find someone else like pretty quickly because there are a lot of guys that are, you know, want to be in your shoes. So I think the, the margin for error for an undrafted guy is a, is a, you know, a lot smaller than for a, you know, first round guy. But 
you know, I think, you know, for my time in the NFL, you know, my work ethic, I tried to mimic a lot of those guys that, you know, were at the top of their game or drafted, you know, really high. But I also, you know, the guys that I really looked at, those were the guys that were Tom Brady, right? You know, he was obviously he was at the prime of his career when I got to him. But still, this guy practiced like an undrafted guy. You know, he went in and he was taking handoffs and practicing dropbacks like, dude, you know, you've done this a million times before, but you're still working on it. So if he's working on that, mm-hmm. how do I, how do I, what do I have to do in my game to work on it? You know, and then there's guys like, you know, Fred Jackson, he was a big mentor of me in Buffalo. You know, that guy, you know, also undrafted guy, but like worked his way up. Like those are the types of guys, like their work ethic was something that I tried to mirror and reflect with how much effort that they put into their bodies their you know preparation for the games practices like those guys never were you know they were always available so um you know that's that that was the the work ethic thing i think it's unique right i mean everyone kind of has their own way of doing things but it's the guys that kind of that they make it that's their life right their craft is they make it it's almost um you know they're almost crazy about it where they have to non-stop like be getting better at something and you can tell the greats, you know, th- those are those types of guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the whole team is built around it. You know, like yeah. even like even like Gronk, like Gronk should have been a first round pick. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> you know, he's yeah. six, what, six, six, like how big, like, yeah. you know, he, that size. And so that whole, I feel like the whole Patriots team, I know you were talking about Fred Jackson and Buffalo. That's a great example. Yeah. Um, but that whole Pats team is like undrafted guys or late round picks, you know, who have yeah. kind of like come in with that mentality. A little bit. Yeah, I mean, they always joke about, uh, you know, build finding a, a six round guy out of like a small, you know, D2 college and just kind of like, ooh, yeah. But I mean, it's Belichick could have found Amelia Earhart, dude. He could find. <laughs> <him>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love to hear of like, you, you talk about Fred Jackson, you talk about Tom. Neither of those guys played the same position as you, right? Yeah. No. And we always hear about, like, we're hearing a lot of, you know, with the Zach Wilson, Aaron Rodgers thing. It's like, oh, well, how much did Zach Wilson learn under Aaron Rodgers? How much is he going to learn and grow as a quarterback because he's got another quarterback great in the locker room with him and advising him, you think, or whatever that, you know, mentor capacity is. We don't really know, but we're just speculating. But I would love to hear, like, all the different stories of guys that learned and had mentors who are in a different position group. Because I think that, like, that's the your position groups like your family too like a family yeah. within a family right like that's yeah. who you spend the most time with um but it's cool to know that you were kind of picking up on just like that guy's a professional like what that guy yeah. is doing i can take yeah. not only what i'm doing in football probably elsewhere as well yeah. um but i yeah. think there's probably parallels like that for every nfl player that's out there and i think we don't hear enough about like i learned mm. that that one lesson from that safety and i'm a slot receiver right yeah like, the, yeah i mean i think there. like the teams that I've been on, I've I've been surrounded by a lot of um, you know veteran guys, you know the the Bills, obviously, and then you know New England, and then you know as I got older, I tried to be that guy, right? That pass on knowledge to these younger kids. Now training camp, training camp is different. Like you're coming in here trying to take my job. This is different. Like. <laughs> You're not my friends. <laughs> yeah, no trade secrets. Yeah. And I'm we're gonna do what I can in my position group. Like and I want our position group group to go out there and compete and do well. But like again, that was my mindset, right? 
you know, I was still an undrafted guy. It didn't really matter if I came in or coming off a Super Bowl or anything like that. These guys were coming in to take my job. And, but after training camp, like you get into, you get into the season, you know, it's all about winning, man. And, and you're a family, right? You're surrounded nonstop by these guys for, you know, 12, 13 hours of the day. You're traveling with them on the weekends. You're, you're around them 24 seven. And, you know, I loved being able to help the younger guys with some of the stuff. I mean, especially like the guys that are that seek out that help, right? Like, mm-hmm. what are you doing extra for your body? What are you doing nutrition wise? Like, how are you working out like during your off days? And the guys that, you know, the younger kids that didn't have it quite figured out, like, you know, you try to take them under your wing. You try to help them. This is how I prepare. This is how I watch film. This is what I do during my off days. This is how I take care of my body. And like, those are the things that I learned from from guys like Fred Jackson, you know, guys like Tom, you know, Julian, Danny, like those guys took me in, man. They, they taught me, they helped me with that offense, like, and that culture that, that was created in new England. Um, you know, guys like Malcolm Mitchell, you know, my, you know, first year there in 2016, you know, who, a guy who had was a very, very smart kid. Right. And you knew right from the bat, this guy's going to help our football team win. Like, how do mm-hmm. I help him Absolutely. feel more comfortable helping our football team win? You know, so it's like you kind you you group together a lot of times in your position group, um, and it's like how can we watch film together? Can we do more things together as a team or as as a as a position group? Like how do we do these things so that we're so much more of a family? You know, you develop that trust um, and and that relationship where you know you're going out there and you know that the other guy like we've put in the work. Like let's just go have fun and play football. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And you see it with like any really successful team too, like still some of the relationships these guys have, mm-hmm. like even like across sport, like you keep being in the Boston realm now, like you see KG and Paul Pierce, like I see them together. I know it's a lot for media and whatnot, but you see these guys together 24 yeah. seven. Yeah. Like they are like, they're the relationship is so tight and so strong. So it's definitely and Malcolm Mitchell. Great call out dude. He was a baller, 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 yeah, baller. Um, Nick, I'm going to let you do the, I'm going to turn the two minute Joel over to you, but I want to ask, the first question, if that's cool. <laughs> um, the, uh, <laughs> the two minute drill, Chris is, you know, we ask you a bunch of questions, uh, just rapid fire answers and you could elaborate on anything yeah. you want. Uh, the All big right. trend right now is how often do you think of the Roman empire? I do not care about that. How often do you think of the 28 to three victory? Is it like, are you just like walking around and sometimes like, yo, that was nuts. Like just yeah, like, usually yeah, like every, every, uh, every February, it kind of rolls uh, into my brain, you know, 328. I always kind of think about it. And then obviously if any, anyone new I meet, I always brings up that game. So, um, and I always try to catch it on like NFL throwbacks too. If it's ever playing, I still get, it. I, <laughs> okay, yeah, I, swear yeah. to, I swear to God, it was on, I think it was on recently. I still get nervous watching that football game and I know what's going to happen in the outcome. It's like, it's insane. It's like, well, I, I can go right back to being on that sideline. But uh, that, mm. that for sure is that game will never leave my brain. Good. I, you know, yeah. the thing is, like, you think about it a lot, but I'm sure Falcons think about it far more. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> they've never been the same. More. Sometimes nope. I like look at my, I've, we have so many friends from Atlanta, and sometimes I don't even say anything. I just look at them. <laughs> I know, like, as a fan, like, I know what we, I know what that team, uh, I know what happened. The most tough, hardcore man. story, the tough. most legendary story from that is like, I think it was Hightower with the quote. I don't know if this is true or not. It's like hearsay. But I, one of the other defensive players was like picking up his helmet, and Hightower is like, don't bother, dude. 
you're not going back on the field. Like once that, once I went, once it went over, it went like, <laughs> he's like, don't, don't worry about it. dude. You're not coming. You're not coming back. Uh, out. It's I don't right. know. I, I never heard that one, but I'm, we were all thinking that. So <laughs> awesome. Um, all right. Real two minute trail though. Nikki, you're up. All right. We'll kick it off. What's the harder sport to play lacrosse or football football? Mount Rushmore of Patriots. Tom Brady. Three more. Oh, you want to give me? Oh, he is the mountain, though. He, he's all the, <laughs> the four faces of Brady. That's great. Just Tom <laughs> as he got older throughout his career. <laughs> it's a, it's a uh, let's see. Tom, uh, Rodney, uh, Rabel, and Matthew Slater. Yeah, he's got to yeah. be in there. Hell yeah. What's your uh, what's your cheat meal? Ooh, barbecue chicken pizza. Okay, still got some protein on there. Uh, guess <laughs> yes, he, go to go to his Instagram if you're listening to this, and he tried to hit a plane with the medicine. I saw that medicine ball toss you did, dude. He tried to hit a plane with that thing. Threw it so high. I'm still training. You know, you never know. <laughs> it's nuts. Could make it come back. <laughs> Guilty pleasure TV show. Uh Parks and Recreation. Nice. Who's your funniest teammate you've ever had? I don't want to say Julian. He's he's I I'm not giving him that. Uh Gronk. <laughs> Gronk for sure. The, the Most... Jules impressions are pretty good though. They're pretty they're solid. He's at least a built one. I can't with him every single day, <laughs> every single weekend on television. It's tough. <laughs> nah, he's the best man. I love watching him on TV. He's doing a great job. He's funny. I like him too. I love you, Jules. It's okay. Most underrated player you've ever played with? Good question. Um. Robert Woods. Mm. Mm. Yep. Love that answer. If he didn't wow. if he didn't hurt himself with the Rams, I mean his that guy career- never got enough credit, man. But he was a good he's a good football player. Really good football player. Blocking the receiving, everything. Mm-hmm. Blocking, bro. Didn't they get him a didn't they one of the QBs he was with get him an offensive lineman gift? Like I remember hearing uh, they, that like, when he was in Buffalo, maybe yeah, probably he might have, dude. Like yeah. you could see the blocking was so crazy. Yeah, yeah. That's a great pick. He's a baller. All right, back to Jules. Is he a Hall of Famer? In my mind, Julian Edelman is a Hall of Famer. Josh, what do you think? Yeah, it's about what you like. The biggest. It's you, if Madison Bumgarner. Man, he's got. If you want to, if you want to talk about records, he's got records in the playoffs. He's got records in the Super Bowl, and dude is just a baller. Right. I mean, you're going to talk about slot receivers for the next, you know, for the next couple of decades and he'll be mentioned with them. And there are a lot of guys that, you know, oh, system, you know, receiver and all that kind of nonsense. Nah, like this dude went out here and balled out every single week. He was getting double teamed every single weekend when it was him and Gronk. Both of them were getting double teamed. He was never one on one. And if he did have one on ones, like dude was winning his matchups. So like, I've been around a lot of good receivers. Julian's not going to wow you with, you know, his how tall he is or how fast he's going to run, but this dude, he was a baller. So, in my mind, Hall of Famer. 
I, the the system thing is like you still have to execute. Like the no people shit. understand yeah. that. Like it's a you, dumb excuse, dude. Yeah. <laughs> everything. Like we're like just talking about the Pats. They're one and three because they'll have not to catch executed. a football and and yeah, you, you know, have to do everything else. Man, but yeah, man, no. yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, if I to if you're asking me, Nick, if Madison Bumgarner is a Hall of Famer because of how great he was in the playoffs and all his heroics he had for like the Giants to cross sport it, like it's got to be the same same book. Hundred percent. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think it's even tougher to crack in baseball. So, mm-hmm. I, I think he'll get there. Uh, best Tom Brady moment for you? Um, meeting him in 2016, first practice, off-season training, and here comes number 12 that walks straight up to me and he introduces himself as Tom Brady. I'm like, dude. I know who the hell you are. <laughs> he's like, and he starts asking me, like, you know, he starts asking me all these questions. He's like, so what position do you like to play? Yeah, whatever. I'm like, dude, whatever the hell you want me to play. <laughs> like, <yeah. laughs> but yeah, I always tell this story to people because I say, oh, what's Tom like? What's Tom like? Yeah. I'm like, dude, this guy just he cared, man. I mean, he's just a normal person who knew every single up and down the roster, first name, last name, and then every single person that worked in that facility. You know, that's just the type of guy he was. And, um, you know, he was, he was a good, he was a great football player, you know, even better person to be around, you know, even better teammate. I love that. Um, and we asked this question to every guest we've ever had on the show. Um, this could be from your playing days or you as a fan, any sport, any time in your life, what is your favorite sports memory? I mean, that's an easy one for me, but you know, winning my first Super Bowl uh, in Houston against Atlanta was a pretty surreal experience. Um, Tough to beat. It is tough to beat. It, I mean, that was like one of those games, um, just one of those seasons, man. I mean, coming out without Tom for the first four games, you know, having Jimmy G step up, you know, having Jacoby Brissett step up, you know, beating Houston on Monday night where he ran the ball like 60 times in that game, like barely threw it because he had a, couldn't even hold the football. Um, you know, just that whole season, man, was, was pretty memorable. But that game, to come back like that, win that football game was – was pretty awesome definitely uh, you know that's top of the list for my for my memories as an athlete yeah no, normally we like can't predict like what the memory is but when you're yeah, a this one's on pretty <laughs> well, give, give, for, us yeah. the, give us the the favorite lacrosse memory too yeah that's a good one uh favorite lax memory i mean this goes back to high school because my college career was we didn't have a very good team it was we were concerned about the you know extracurricular activities mm-hmm. at Penn State. So yeah. Penn um, State, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh that's we had uh, my my high school team, we won uh first state state championship in the school's history. And then we beat a team that was that we had never beat before. Um you know at at their place. So I, I have a I have a couple of good high school lax memories, man. I mean some some pretty good ones. My my high school, my college career was just filled with a lot of nonsense and a lot of stories outside of the game of lacrosse. But going, I played in the PLL, so that was actually a pretty cool experience for me too to kind of go back to Boston for training camp and then to uh, make a roster and kind of be able to play, you know, kind of two sports that year was was pretty cool. So, um, lax. Uh, I'm not taking any away from anything with football being more difficult than lacrosse, but lacrosse is a hell of a sport, man. There's a bunch of athletes that play that sport. 
Yeah, down. when you said before that you rock, when you said that Tom Brady was like the mountain of like Mount Rushmore, it reminded me of like we used to have a co. I'm, I'm from Long Island. We used to have a lacrosse mm-hmm. coach, and he yeah. would be like, you know, there's three types of guys. There's guys that get hit by the train. There's guys that ride the train, and there's guys that drive the train. But Max Seabald, lacrosse legend, <laughs> he, he he was the train. <laughs> where are you from? Like, on the, where are you from on Long Island? Merrick. Okay, cool. I'm in uh, Farmingdale as we speak. Oh, nice. I live that's in Colts. I live in Col- I live in Col- Harbor, but I opened up a gym over here in Farmingdale, so that's where I'm at right now. Oh, word. That's a good lacrosse mm-hmm. area. Colts sure. Harbor. Yeah. Yeah. Col- I mean, Farmingdale. Farming, yeah, Farmingdale. Farmingdale. West, yeah. West yeah. Islip, dude. Those kids were nuts. Yeah. Yeah. A bunch <laughs> of laxers over here. Do you yeah, uh, still do you support the Penn State football team? Are you a fan? Yeah. Yeah. I'm a I'm a Penn State fan. Good. Um, big Penn State lacrosse fan now. You know they got uh, they they hired a new coach over there, so they got they got that program rolling the way that it should be rolling for a Big Ten you know Division One school. But I I I'd watch uh, Penn State football when it's on for sure. Doing pretty well, but right? I still claim I still claim Penn State lacrosse though. I didn't play Penn State football. Yeah, that's <laughs> so you think you like their chances in the Big Ten this year? You think they can knock off the Wolverines, Buckeyes? They can. Yeah. I mean, they've they've been they've been playing pretty good football, so and they yeah, got some they, they got some studs they got some studs on that team, man. So, um, Big Ten I think is kind of a toss up. I mean, it's like you know Michigan, Ohio State. Those, you know, you never know. I love never to know. see them keep winning. I would love to see them keep winning though. That school yeah. is electric, man. When they're playing good football, whiteout, bro. So whiteout is I, I just like Penn. I don't like Penn State, but the whiteout is like they probably one of the Pretty craziest cool. things. Every every school wants to emulate something like that. Like yeah. we have drones at our school and fireworks and everything, and there's nothing like everyone just wearing white and screaming their heads off as <laughs> drunk. Because well, they fans. they do this. They do Sweet Carolina, Penn State too, right? Yeah. They gave the shout out yeah. on the Jags yeah, they, game. They do the Jags Falcons game Sunday morning. I mean, that, that's. They were like, and Penn State does it too. The Boston Red Sox, Penn State, because I guess they were singing it in the crowd, so they got the shout out, which was. Oh, they were. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All those Brits out there. <laughs> uh, Chris Hogan doing the Patriots report with Chris Price. It Chris Price is a great, great guy. We all know firsthand, and we've got to check you guys out together. It's going awesome, man. So congrats on getting that going with Chris. The two Chris is going at it. Uh, Hogan. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you know, get you back sometime and keep rocking, dude. And enjoy Long Island for me. This is fun, guys. I appreciate the time. Got you, bro. Thank you. All right, fans out there, drag both feet in mount, swing on a full count, rip that puck, hit that putt, hit your PKs because they're free, and hit your free throws. Why, guys? Because they're free. Because they're free. We out you. <laughs> we love you. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. We are live on the Charity Stripe Podcast with your hosts, Alex, Josh, and Nick. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.